Let's celebrate the risen King once again this morning. Thank you for joining us, and we are just here. We've already experienced this, uh, this theme of the resurrection. I want to keep that up. There's something that I always love to do on Easter. I've done it here several times, um, but I, it actually has its roots way back in the early Christian, the Christianity of the early days when they would greet someone on Sunday, but specifically on this particular day, they were known by this greeting. You would say, Christos in este, and then the resp- which means Christ is risen, and then the responder would say, Elethos in este, which means Christ is risen indeed. So we're going to cut out the Greek, and let's put it in English today, but I'd like for you to respond with that today, and let's just say those words from our heart. Let me, I will say, Christ is risen, and then respond, Christ is risen indeed, would you please? Christ is risen. Wow, I almost think you mean that. Let's try it one more time. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Doesn't that just come with power to hear those words? Let me give you the scriptures today. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Father, we are so grateful to be able to celebrate on this special day today together with with these wonderful people. And I pray, Father, that each one of us has come to this service with a heart that's ready to hear, a heart that's open to respond if you'll speak to us. So, Lord, I pray that as we just consider even further the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that none of us will leave here the same in which, the way in which we came, because your resurrection changes everything. So, Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity, and I pray that what's said and done in this service will bring glory to Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. As you're seated, why don't you just say hi to someone next to you. Tell them happy Easter this morning as you find your seat today. Once again, I want to welcome you to our services, and I'm glad that you've joined us. If you are a, if you are a guest with us, uh, I hope that maybe throughout the past several months, you've noticed around town some signs in people's yard that, that say the story. We've been on a journey here at Calvary. We started in September, and in September we began in Genesis, and we've been taking a walk through the Bible until we will end up here in June. We'll have gone from Genesis to Revelation. And we're just taking this journey through the scriptures, and it just so happens that today uh, that we are at the part of the story which is the resurrection of Christ. Really, it didn't just happen. That's how we planned it. We started at the resurrection and went and backed up to get the dates because the resurrection truly is the centerpiece. It is the the climax of the story itself. It's it's what it all kind of comes back to. And in fact, if you are a guest with us, we have a free copy of the story that you're welcome to take as you leave. We want you to accept that as our gift because we'd love you to continue on this journey, even if if you're not back with us, that you can just continue with that story. Because here's what we're learning. The story itself, as we've said in the scriptures, is not just a collection of random stories. It's not just uh, things that are said kind of just to kind of interest us or even entertain us. Really, the Bible is one continuous thematic story. It started at the beginning when man was created and, and fell away from God, and God had a plan to get the human race back. And that's the theme of the story, is how God chose to to bring back man into a relationship with him. 
but as we've learned over this journey, we've actually put it or looking at it in three different ways. We, we look at it from the, the perspective of the upper story. The upper story is God's story. It's the, it's the story that doesn't change. It's the story that is constantly moving, and it's his plan to, to, to redeem man. And that, that is always going on. But here's where we live. We live in the lower story. That's the human experience. That's what you have on a daily basis. That's your work. That's your job. That's your issues. That's your difficulties. Here's what we're finding is that oftentimes we're so involved here that we sometimes forget that there's still the upper story going on. And no matter what we're looking at and what we're seeing, we're seeing it, but we got to remember God is always working. And so the Bible gives us that perspective. Of course, there is my story. That's the part where all of this intersects my personal life, where it comes down to where you live, where you work, and how is it relevant to us on a daily basis. And that's the importance, that's the significance of the scriptures. But as we said, oftentimes since we're so focused on the lower story, we miss the fact that God is working. And so the Bible has enabled to kind of shine a light on the upper story for us, to see that, that even when things don't seem to be going as we, we think they should be, there is still another story going on that's, that's above ours. Let's take for an, exist, uh, for an example, last Sunday, uh, many people refer to that as Palm Sunday, uh, this, this whole week being the Holy Week. Well, last Sunday and then also on Friday, we, we focused on the crucifixion of Jesus and on, on his death. Well, from a lower story perspective, that particular event was a tragic mistake, just a tragedy in and of itself. I mean, here's this loving man, this healer who is crucified on a cross with no, uh, no legitimate reasons why he was there. And, and we would say it's, it, that, that doesn't make any sense. Lower story, that's, that's ridiculous. When he said it is finished on the cross, most people thought he was finished. Most people thought that this just wasn't, that this was God has failed, his plan is over. Lower story, that just doesn't make any sense for that to happen. But we learned very quickly. That even though that's what we see from an upper story, God said, this is exactly what I had planned. Jesus was not just a martyr. He was the Lamb of God that was taking away the sins of the world through his blood on that cross. So we know the Bible shines that light and shows us the upper story, even though many people may have missed it. Well, when we come to today's story, it's one of those times in Scripture, and this doesn't happen a lot, but God showed us that he kind of pulls back the curtain of the upper story and lets us see it just full right in the face. When we come to the resurrection of Jesus, some things are happening that lets us, lets us see right off the bat that this is God's upper story. When we come to Matthew 28, his, some of his loyal followers, these women, including Mary Magdalene, who you saw uh, displayed here, uh, Mary Magdalene and the followers, they come to anoint his body. Here were some loyal friends, as, as the Jews would say, they were going to sit in Shiva. They were coming to, to honor him. and to, we, we would kind of consider it like putting flowers on a grave. That is our, but they were going to bring and anoint his body. And so here's how the story goes, verse, chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now understand, just like Mary said, they were expecting to see their dead friend. They were expecting to see the body of their dead friend. They, they came with no expectations of anything miraculous happening. This was all lower story. This was a tragedy. Our friend is gone. That's how they came to the tomb. But the story continues. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. Uh, make sure we understand. That stone was, was not an... Uh, 
just a small venture in of itself. This, was a, this would have taken many strong men just to move it into place, let alone to get it out of the hole it was in, to get it back. This, this was not a small feat, and yet we see this one angel just treating it like it's nothing. We, see, we begin to see the upper story as, as this angel just pushes the weight, and then I love the Bible says, and then he sat down. He just sat down on the rock like, okay, fellas, I'm here, right? He just kind of, there was nothing to this. This was just God's power at work in this incredible fashion. And so the stone is moved. God is showing that he is definitely at work. In fact, the Bible says the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became as dead men. Now, remember, we're talking seasoned Roman soldiers here probably had seen battle had seen the, 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 the violence and the, the, the fear face on of battle, and yet these seasoned veterans were so afraid by that they, they passed out cold. I mean, they just completely went as dead before this, this, amazing, this amazing feat before them. But, but I want us just to take a look at that for a moment and let that be our focus. You're going to take the words off the screen because I want you just to see this and just to think about that picture today. That, yes, we have an opening, the entrance exit, but I want you to consider that stone, the stone that at one point had covered the grave and now it is, it is away, and, and, and the purpose of that. And this is, you might jot this down if you're taking notes. I want you to grab this significance, that the stone was moved not to get Jesus out of the tomb, but the stone was moved to get witnesses into the tomb. Now, that's an important significance for us because Jesus didn't need that stone to be moved away to get out of there. In fact, he'll prove that later on the same day, John chapter 20, when he appears to his disciples, and they're in an upper room, and, and he has a glorified body, it's a, but it is still a real body. It's just no longer, uh, it's no longer bound by the, the laws of nature, if you would, because his body is able to go through walls and so forth without, the, without doors. Without, he, so there's different, but it's still a body. So the truth is, he wouldn't have needed that stone to be moved for him to get out. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a matter of, it wasn't like Jesus is inside going, hey, somebody let me out of here. I mean, it wasn't anything like that. He didn't need the stone to be moved for him to get out. The purpose of moving that stone was to get people to be able to see what had happened inside that tomb, that his body was no longer there. It was for the sake of the witnesses to, to understand what's inside on the other side, if you would, of that stone. And that's what we want to focus on today. That on the other side, beyond the stone, What's on the other side of that? Because here's the, here's the thing that I want you to consider. What is it that could be in your life right now? What kind of stone, if you would, could be sitting in, in your life that's keeping you from seeing the miracle of the resurrection? Because that's all the stone did. It was just preventing those on the outside from witnessing the miracle that happened inside. What could that be? Maybe it's fear. M maybe it's doubt. You're just not sure about all this. Maybe it's anger especially anger at God for something you perceive that he did to you. Maybe it's disappointment, discouragement, despair, guilt. There are a lot of things that, that we're holding on to, things from our past, things that we're going through that, that put up a block, put up a wall between us and recognizing the power of the resurrection, recognizing what Jesus did when he rose again. And this stone was moved to give those witnesses a chance to just see the miracle of the resurrection. And that's what I want to happen in your life. I've been praying that as that old saying, you know, when they said move the bus, remember that old show? I'm asking God to move the rock in some of your lives and to open your eyes to see just how real, how relevant, how powerful the resurrection is to us. 
So we look beyond the stone. And I want you to see just some things that, w- that you hear from the angel that would tell us what is beyond that stone? What is on the other side of that? What did he move the stone for them to see? Let me, I'll give you some suggestions. First one is this. There is peace for troubled minds on the other side of that stone. Listen to the angel again. He said this. Do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Do not be afraid. Literally speaking, what we learn from the resurrection is because of the resurrection, what happened here, there's really nothing in life to be afraid of. Now, I say that saying that I have my own fears, and and I'm sure that you do. Um, these ladies, they had, they had some legitimate fears. Think about them with me. What if you were on your way to visit the, the graveside of someone who you buried just, just a, a, earlier in that week, and when you arrive at the graveside, the dirt's moved, the grave is open, the casket's open, and the body's gone. That'd be a very terrifying experience. That's what they found. Now, don't forget also that what they were witnessing the same angel that Earlier in that same chapter, the, these Roman soldiers, these tough Roman soldiers, went dead cold out when they saw him. And so they're facing that, that terrifying experience. And then also notice that he said, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Man, don't, don't go past that word because just literally a few hours before that, these women were witnesses of the awful event of the crucifixion. Jesus' death and, and the cruelty of that and what the, that was said of him and what was done to him. And so that was the one they loved and, the, and they saw him crucified and they had in the back of their mind think, what if that happens to us as his followers? So this whole, this whole atmosphere is just electric with fear. And yet the angel's response is, do not be afraid. Because of the resurrection, beyond that stone, there is an ability not to be afraid. But we all have fears, don't we? I don't know what your, what your pet fear is. Uh, I, I'm afraid of snakes and afraid of bridges. Thank goodness there are not a lot of snakes on bridges or I'd have a lot of trouble, okay? But those are a couple of things that just cut for whatever reason. They have a, a, a terrifying effect on me. I find it interesting, and, and many of you know this, but the psychologists say that the number one fear, even above death, is the fear of public speaking. Think about that. Some of you agree with that. You would understand that. If I asked you to come up here and speak to this crowd, you'd rather say, just kill me. Get it over with. I would rather die than stand in front of a crowd. And, and so there, there are fears, and they're real fears. Psychologists also have now, some, and there's debate about this, but they have kind of narrowed it down to there's really only two fears that you're born with. That's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Now think about that. If, you, if you're stepping and you, what, what's the one, you want everything you can to stop yourself from falling, right? You take a baby, and, and babies just, they're, they're born, they're just, they're just young, and as dads, we take and throw them up in the air. It's so much fun to watch them do this, and we're laughing, and they're going, Dad, what are you doing to me, right? They're scared to death. Or loud noises when someone comes up behind you and startles you. We still understand those are, those are fears. Those are re- but, but what they're saying is everything else is just a learned fear. Past those two, we learn everything. Even the fear of death is something we learn. Because that same baby that scared, we throw him up in the air, they'll go up face-to-face with a rattlesnake, no fear at all. Because they don't understand the consequences. They learn that over time, right? 
So here's, Jesus is not, or the angel is not minimizing their fears and saying, oh, you women, you're just too, you're just panicked. He wasn't minimizing. He wasn't saying get over it. He was saying because of what's on the other side of that stone, there is an ability not to have to live in fear. In fact, here's how Jesus said it in John chapter 16. He'd earlier told his disciples, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That, that's an that's a, a, a calm in, in spite of what's going on, a peace. In this world, he said, you will have trouble. But here's the point. Take heart. I have overcome the world. And then he, exclamation point, when he rises from the grave. I've overcome. I, I, the world's not in charge of me, and I'll prove it. I will come back to life. Beyond that stone, there is peace for troubled hearts. So let me ask you, your heart today, your life, your mind is there a peace, uh, peace with God, first of all? Is there a peace in your relationship with him, a peace that if you were to stand before him, you could stand with confidence? Is there a peace with God? Is there a peace of God, as the Bible says? That's, that's a peace that in the middle of even the strongest storms and what you're going through is not easy and fear does happen, but you can find underneath it all there is a, a measure of peace. Do you have that kind of peace? Jesus offers that on the other side of that stone. But, but let me ask you this, what is it that you are afraid of? Is there something now in life that you know you should be doing, something that, right that you should be doing and, and you're not or you're hesitating because of fear, fear of failure, fear of rejection, a fear of, of, of what are people going to think, what, it, this, that, that's holding you back, that's keeping your wheels from moving. What is, do you understand that because of the, the, the stone moving, that Jesus rising from the grave, Fear doesn't have to control our lives. There's a Christian song that's out now, and let me just read one of the phrases. It simply says this, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. As a follower of Christ, having witnessed and experienced the resurrection personally, I don't have to be a slave to fear any longer because he, he beat fear. Because fear no longer has to have control. But it's not just fear. We keep moving. He says there's also hope for impossible situations. Listen to that famous phrase again from the angel. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. One of the most powerful phrases that you will have ever heard. One of the most important things that will ever be said is that Jesus was literally dead. He died, but he's no longer in this grave. He has risen which means he has defeated the one thing that we can't defeat. The one thing that, you know, we have all kinds of things that we work on and we, we try to health and all, but the, the one thing that we can't defeat is death. Why is death a fearful part of our lives? Why do we learn this fear of death over time? Because we understand the statistics. And we know that there are different ways we could die and different, but the point is this, one out of every one of us is going to face death. The statistics are clear. Death will be a part of our lives at some point. And so knowing that, but not knowing what's on the other side, death has this grip. But Jesus, by defeating the, the grave, by being risen, has said once and for all, I, I gave death a knockout punch. I took the sting out of death by coming back to life. And with those who know him, we can experience that hope because he, he defeated an impossible foe, and that was the foe of death. But as you read in that, one of the things that caught my attention was he has risen just as he said. In other words, Jesus had been saying this to his guys for a while. They just weren't listening. 
It actually started back in, back in Matthew 16. He told them, he said, listen, guys, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And in three days, I will come back to life. I mean, he said it that specifically on a repeated basis. And they, they weren't listening. They weren't getting it. They didn't understand it yet. So when, they, when the angel comes, he says, listen, Mary, this was an impossible situation. He beat death. But even on top of that, he did it just the way he said he would. He told us he would die, but he said he would also come back in three days. And he did. So, so he can defeat the most, he, there's hope no matter what the situation could be. So death no longer has to hold us in, in fear. We can know that on the other side of our last breath, there is hope, there is eternal life. He did that when he rose from the grave. And, and if you don't know that, he can do that in your life. But let's also think, if he can take care, if he can control that situation, what else could he control in our lives? What else seems out of control that, that Jesus in his power could, could do something about? Relationships, our, our addictions, our, our issues, our weaknesses, our problems, the, 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 the grief and the, all the things. That what, if, if Jesus can say to death, You're not, you, you can't hold on to me any longer. He can defeat that foe. What, what else could Jesus do in our lives? Literally, as the Bible said, there's nothing impossible with God, and his death and resurrection now proves that. Listen to Jesus, some of his words later in Revelation. He says this, I am the living one. We asked the question through this series, who do you say I am? Well, this is a great example. I am the living one, Jesus said. He goes on to say, I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. I've got the keys to unlock all of the things that are holding us in fear, holding us back. He said, I am, that's the power that's the hope of the resurrection, that no matter what we're facing, no matter how out of control it may be, Jesus took care of death. He can take care of anything. Hope to impossible situations. But they keep looking. There's also power to live in freedom. Part of this story, just, uh, the, whole, the whole thing is obviously amazing, but the next phrase of the angel, listen to what he says. He told Mary, so come and see the place where he lay. Come and see where Jesus was. See that, the, that he is no longer there. Uh, two sides of this. First, I, I see this as a confirmation, uh, kind of a, a challenge for her to, to, to make sure. I, I don't know if they're in the room today, but there are some that they have a few doubts about some of even what I'm talking about. This, the idea of did Jesus really die and rise again? There, and, and here's what Mary is facing. She's facing this impossible outcome. He, that doesn't happen. People don't get up out of the grave. So, so Mary, what, what does the angel say? Well, why don't you come and see for yourself? Come and check it out on your own. Sometimes uh, I get frustrated with people who doubt what I say or even doubt what I believe. And, they, and, and even some of these things about the resurrection. And I get frustrated, but then God reminds me. But that doesn't bother God. That doesn't bother him. You have some questions? God's, God's open to that. Those kind of questions, those kind of things, that those, even our skepticism, it doesn't bother God at all. He knows the truth. At some point, there will be a step of faith because our human bodies will never understand this completely. But he says, listen, I've got evidence for you. Come and, come and see for yourself. Come and try this out and see if this is real. There's a movie coming out not too long called The Case for Christ. It's actually a true story of a guy named Lee Strobel from Chicago. He's a reporter who set out to prove the Bible was, was false. Set out to prove that the resurrection wasn't real. That was his goal. But in his research, and he did his research, 
he came to find out that the resurrection is possibly the most historically verified event of all history. And, and it, from that, it all brought him to the point where he personally put his faith in Christ, and he, he just took God as, come and see for yourself. And in seeing that, he realized this is true. And I would challenge you to do the same thing. You're not quite sure? Fantastic. But, but take the step. Look at it. Come and try and see what God is saying because he promises that, that if you listen to his truth, you will find it to be just that. And so it starts there. But then my question is, so what did Mary see? What did they see when they looked inside that, that tomb? Because technically, the tomb wasn't empty. Now, there wasn't a body in there. But Luke and John both tell us that there was something in there to see. Here's John's report of it. Peter says he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Where Jesus' body had been laying, there is now the the, the strips of cloth that had been around his body. And John describes it as the, the napkin on his face had actually been carefully placed in another spot. You see not only this control and this amazing miracle of the resurrection, but, but you're seeing something interesting in that the body's gone, but the clothes are still there. There's no coincidence that not long before this, all the events took place, there was a miracle Jesus performed in John chapter 11. His friend Lazarus had died, and in fact, he was dead four days before Jesus ever got on the scene. So he was dead. They actually, the, the King James Version says, he stinketh. I just, I love that term because he had been dead and it was decomposing. He comes to the grave and he, he calls the, the, them to open the, door, to open the door, to roll the stone away. And then here's what John 11 tells us. Jesus said this, Lazarus, come forth or come out. The dead man came out, the Bible says, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Yeah, just like a horror movie, just like you would think. Here's a mummy coming out of the grave, walking, but he's he's very much inhibited, very much constricted. Because if he stays like this, there's not going to be much life because of the strip around him and around around his face. So here's what Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So what we have is a man that's alive, but he's walking as if he's dead. He's walking without, with the constriction of death all wrapped around him. So what does Jesus do? He says, remember that story? Here's, here, my body will be gone, but I'm leaving the grave closed to make you understand that I'm no longer, not only, not only am I not bound by death, I'm not bound by all that death encompasses. Everything that ties me down, that holds me back, that's gone. It's over. My body's gone, and I'm leaving the grave closed here to prove it. Now think about how that can relate to your, your personal life. As a follower of Christ, a child of God, I'm no longer a child of fear. I don't have to worry. But also understand that in our lives there are things that do hold us down, that hold us back. That, that many of us as Christians, we, we live like we're in the zombie apocalypse. It's that idea of if we're, we're alive, but we sure don't look like it. Our lives are, are marked by defeat and by discouragement and by the things that seem to be tying us down. And so Jesus is saying, listen, resurrection comes not only with the power over death, but the power to live life with joy, with fullness, with the ability to be just what God has called you to be. In fact, Romans put it this way. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Through the power of the resurrection. On the other side of that stone is the picture. You have the power to live 
in God's, the way God has designed for you. The, the body's gone, the grave clothes have stayed. Last thought I want you to grab is this. There's also a fresh start for broken lives. The angel finishes his little speech here with this. He told Mary, now go quickly and tell his disciples what you've seen. Now that in itself, it's a great, great progression. If you've really experienced the resurrection, if you've been on the other side of the stone and you've received Jesus and that has changed your life, if that's really true, then why wouldn't you want to tell somebody about it? I mean, that's got to be the greatest news of all. So simply, she, he said to her, hey, you go and look, and once you see that what I'm telling you is true, now go and tell. And, and she, he specifically points to the disciples. Well, a couple of verses later, Jesus actually speaks to Mary himself, and he gives her similar instructions, but he changes the wording a bit. He said, he said go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. Now, understand who these disciples, brothers, same group of people, who they are. They were the ones that followed him for three years, but when push comes to shove, they ran. When the times got tough, they abandoned him. They deserted him. One of them, Peter by name, de- denied him, said, I've never met him before. Left him in his greatest hour of need. But yet Jesus isn't there rebuking them. He says, go and tell my brothers. He uses that, that kind of a term, that, 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 that spirit of go and tell them. And, and in those two words, you see comfort, you see, you see forgiveness, you see, hey, we're, we're still, we're, there's still a connection for us. In fact, the guy named Peter who we've talked about, later Peter will write in his own epistle these words, 1 Peter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth and a living hope. How, Peter? Look at this. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The resurrection changed Peter's life forever. And he became one of the leaders in this new church movement. The resurrection did that. That was the difference. It changed his life, gave him a new lease on life, gave him a fresh start, a new beginning. And there are folks who sometimes feel like maybe they've gone too far, they've crossed too many lines. Even if they came to God, God wouldn't want them. And Jesus promises specifically, anyone who comes to me, I'll I'll never cast them out. Jesus wants you to know that because of the resurrection, because of what's on the other side of that rock, that, that he's still in the business of starting new lives, of giving new hope, giving fresh starts, new beginnings. And, and maybe that's what you're looking for, that's what you're missing or what you need. Let, let me help you fill in a verse today, Hebrews chapter number 7. On your outline it says this, because Jesus lives forever. He is able to save completely. Some versions say to the uttermost. He's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He lives forever and he always lives. He lives so that we can have life and he always lives so we can live this life with newness, with freshness, with what he wants for us. That's the power of the resurrection. Beyond that stone is what God has promised for us to be able to live the life that he has called for us. That's the power of the resurrection. That's what Jesus had in mind. So let's take it back to our question. Let's look at that rock again, beyond the stone. Looking at that and understanding that beyond there, that was for our benefit. That was for the benefit of those witnesses and for us today. Jesus didn't need the stone moved, but he wanted us to be able to see that beyond there, there is peace. There's hope. 
There's power. There's a fresh start for you if you will, if you will receive the resurrection personally into your life, if you will enter into that relationship with God because of his son's resurrection. How does all that happen? Well, Paul gives us just a wonderful way to, to experience this. He said that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, and look at this next part, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It, it all begins with the relationship that comes through receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, that all happened because of his death for us and his resurrection. The beyond the stone, Jesus gives us the opportunity to know hope, to know peace, to know power, to know a fresh start. If that's what you're looking for today, if that's what God is saying, this is the peace you're missing, then the resurrection offers us that hope. There's four things that you need to know about this. One is, without Christ, you are a sinner. You're separated from God. Our sin has a penalty, and that penalty is death. But Jesus died to pay your penalty. He died to save you from your sins. He died for your sins. And so, if according to this verse, by faith, that means you're believing that Jesus died and rose again for you. By faith, if you will confess, if you will follow him, if you will confess that you're, you have a need of him and you will receive his gift, you will confess him as Lord, you receive that gift, he promises salvation. He promises all that comes with that hope of the resurrection. Have you done that today? Do you, have you experienced the peace, the hope? That, are, are you living today knowing that that is a part of your existence now and forever? Would you bow your heads with me, please? As we bow our heads and consider these, these truths, let me just ask you, have, have you received the gift of eternal life through Jesus? Has there been a point in your life when you realized you were a sinner and you believed that Jesus died for you and rose again and you said, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. I want to follow you with my life. Has there been a point in your life when you did that? If not, I want to encourage you right now, right from where you're seated, just to, to, to call out to him in, in, in words something like this from your heart. Just say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. And that he rose again. And God, please, I ask you to forgive me. I give my life to you and want to follow you with the rest of the, with the, rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Would you, would you call out to him right now and receive that gift? Across this audience today, is there anyone who would say, Pastor, that's me. Today I, I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. Would you slip up your hand and let me just thank God for your, your response. Thank you. Anyone else? Let, let me broaden the scope just a little bit. Let's say you know Christ is your Savior. You're a child of God. Does your life live being lived in reflection of What's beyond that stone? Are you living with peace and with hope, with power? Are you more a kind of a living dead episode? Just you're, you're a, you know Christ, but your life's not being lived that way. Maybe today God is just calling you back to say, child, I love you. Let's, let's take off those grave clothes and start to live the way I've called you to live. 
Or I want to even challenge you, if you're a believer today, you've experienced the resurrection. You've, you know Christ is in your heart. Why not tell somebody about that this week? Share with someone else the hope of the resurrection as you've experienced it. Father God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. The way you've reminded us of the truth of the resurrection in so many ways today. Father, I pray that these words will just sink into our hearts and we'll remember and we'll hold on to them and they'll begin to change our life and the seed will grow. And Lord, if there's one in this audience who's yet to receive Christ, would you call them to salvation? That this would be the day that they know you once and for all. And for Christians across this audience, that we would come before you and say, God, I want to follow you with everything and not hold anything back. Take those grave clothes off and let me walk in freedom, walk in victory. God, please speak to our hearts. Encourage us.